actually been trying for about 10 minutes to start this podcast and figure out something to say in the beginning. So maybe I'll come up with some sort of a signature greeting at some point, but uh, not for this one. Anyway, so thank you for tuning in to part number three on the call of God. And uh, I'm going to start talking about this question. What is God calling me to do? Which is a huge question a lot of believers have. And I know I had for a long time. And so I'm going to try to cover this and not make this into a two-hour podcast. Because the more I study out the word and what it says about what we are called to the more I find. And uh, it just kind of adds up. So this might be, again, um, multiple parts. But I think starting to answer this question, what is God calling me to do? I feel like many times uh, believers make a mistake in waiting for God to speak to them about their future without actually doing what God is calling them to do right now. And having been in the ministry for a couple of years now, I pray for a lot of people and a lot of people have this prayer request for direction. They want to know what God wants them to do. And every time somebody comes up and asks me for direction, I always want to ask them, what are you doing right now? And uh, there's a reason why I'm thinking that because for me, honestly, it was not a struggle like years and years and years trying to find out what God's calling me to do. And uh, I will share that in another podcast, how I found out the call of God on my life, but that's not a pattern how it's going to happen for every single person. And so I want to cover some basics. And by saying, what are you doing right now? Are you doing what God wants you to do right now? If you are a new believer, you might say, well, I don't know. How, how can I do what God wants me to do if I don't know what it is? And that's exactly uh, the issue that is very important here to understand. And I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean by doing what God's calling to you to do right now, which you can actually know that because there is a known will of God and there is an unknown will of God. The known will of God, that is the Bible. What the Bible says, that is what we should be doing. It is our instructions for life. That is why God gave us his word. It's his instructions for believers. And it's really a guide into the perfect will of God for us. God did not leave us without actually letting us know what he wants. And the ultimate demonstration of that was Jesus Christ. And we are to pattern our life after Jesus Christ, which might sound, you know, way out there. I mean, Jesus did some very incredible things. But before I get into that, um, just to make it clear, there is a known will of God. There is instructions for all believers across the board, no matter what you are individually called to do, which that is the unknown will of God. That is God's specific plan for you, which, for example, that might be if God's calling you to be a pastor or an evangelist or an administrator or a politician 
or a doctor, whatever it is, there is a specific plan that God has for you that you will not specifically find by opening the Bible. Yet, if you do not do what the Bible says to do, it will never become clear what God's unknown will is if you are not faithful and fulfilling the known will of God wholeheartedly. I'm going to say this again. The specific plan that God has for your life, which is this unknown will, will never become clear to you without doing the known will of God faithfully and wholeheartedly, which I think that is so important because people start out strong. They're going to church, they're helping out, they are blessing the people around them, and then they start facing challenges and they get frustrated and things start to happen. Obviously, the enemy comes in. He wants to do everything to hinder you from fulfilling the call of God. And so as soon as you stop being faithful and reliable, then everything goes downhill from there. And then you stop doing things wholeheartedly as well. And the Bible clearly states that we should do everything wholeheartedly as unto Jesus and not as unto man. And so as soon as people start to slack in that, it will be very unclear for them what God's will is for their life. Because if you're not faithful and if you're not doing things wholeheartedly right now, where you are, in your job, in your everyday life, then how can God promote you spiritually? Because those are holy things and we have to be faithful with the things in the natural so God can trust us with the things that are holy. And the call of God is a high and holy calling. And we need to start to be serious and uncompromising in our walk with the Lord according to his word, the things that we already know. Now, talking about the known will of God and the unknown will of God. What am I called to do? What are people called to do? Who is chosen? Who is called? There's this scripture in the Bible. We find it twice. And uh, I'm going to just try to cover this here because I feel like that is one of the most abused scriptures in the word that a lot of people use as an excuse for actually not doing anything that the Bible says to do. And we find it in Matthew chapter 20, verse 16. It says here, So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. And then we see this again in Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, where it says, For many are called, but few are chosen. So many people take the scripture completely out of context and make an excuse for actually not doing what the Bible says to do. Um, I'm an evangelist. I've been training churches to win souls for years now. And one of my main missions is to mobilize believers to win souls. And this is something that is the Great Commission. It is not a suggestion Every believer is called to bring people to Jesus. Now, that's when I hear many people use this scripture where they say, oh, many are called, few are chosen. I'm not called to do that. I'm not called to do this. I'm more called to do this. And then they become over-spiritual about it. 
oh, you know, I'm just called to children's ministry, you know, that's my heart and my passion, so I don't really feel this street evangelism thing, or, you know, whatever else it is. So many times, people dismiss things out of the word by really abusing the scripture, you know, so I'm going to give you the context of Matthew chapter 20 here. The reason why Jesus said this was after sharing a certain parable. And you can go and read it by yourself. Otherwise, this thing is going to get really long. He's talking about the owner of a vineyard that hires men to work for him. So he hired some beginning of the day. They were working the whole day. Some he hired later in the day and some he hired in the last hour and then they all receive the same wages. And of course, the ones who worked all day were disgruntled because they got the exact same amount of money that the people got that came in in the very last hour. But yet, the owner of the vineyard said to him, I have not mistreated you. We agreed on the amount from the beginning. And I decide what I want to give to people. And so... Then right after that, Jesus said, so then the last shall be first and the first shall be last for many are called, but few are chosen. Then the next one in Matthew 24 verse from verse 14, right before this, he's sharing another parable. This parable is about a king that gives a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants out to bring the guest. But they all refused and even killed the servants. And because the invited guests were not worthy, the king instructed to bring anyone that they can find in to take part of this banquet. And yet some people slipped in without appropriate clothing and they were thrown out. And at the conclusion of this parable, Jesus says, many are called, few are chosen. Now, when we specifically look at this parable, it is a picture of the Jews that were originally chosen by God to be his special people, but they rejected the Messiah. And because they rejected the Messiah, now other people are invited to the banquet feast. And that is us. I mean, thank God the Jews rejected the Messiah because uh, that is why we are engrafted now into the original vine, even though we were not part of the bloodline of Abraham, but we became the spiritual seed of Abraham. So in this parable, we see that there's people that are originally called, then they refuse, and there's more people that are called, and then there's some people that are chosen. Now, this being particularly the Jews that were originally chosen by God. So God said few are chosen, but now many are called. And this is specifically talking about being called into the kingdom of God. The parable of the feast and the king giving a wedding, this is a picture of us coming together with Jesus Christ at the the wedding of the the lamb, the bridegroom receiving his bride with his which is his church. This is us going to heaven. This is not talking about some people on the earth that are called to do something and others are not called to do something. Generally speaking, these two parables are talking about us being called into salvation, us being called into fellowship with the Lord, into eternal life. And so 
many people take that one out of context and they're like, oh, I'm not called to evangelism. Oh, I'm not called to do this. Oh, I'm not called to this specific thing. Um, I'm not called to be a giver, whatever. People say the craziest things. Many are called, fewer chosen. Is speaking about the context of salvation. So I'm going to explain to you here because I like to look up words. That word called comes from the Greek word kletos, and that means to be invited. It means to be invited by God in the proclamation of the gospel to obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom through Christ. If you look up the meaning of this word in the strongest concordance of the Greek language, then that is the exact definition. It also means called to the discharge of some office. It also means divinely selected and appointed. Then we have the word chosen, which is eklektos, and that means to be picked out, to be chosen by God, to obtain salvation through Christ, which is included in that, which makes total sense because how can you be chosen if you're not even saved? And then it means elect. And that it also is talking about specifically when it talks about the Messiah, Jesus Christ being chosen, it means as appointed by God to the most exalted office conceivable. It means choice, select, the best kind of its class, excellence, preeminent, applied to certain individual Christians. So many are called, few are chosen. And we're just going to be talking about the called part. What are you called to? Because without knowing what you're called to, you cannot know what you are chosen to do specifically. You have to be faithful with the things that you are called to before God chooses you for a special task. And so, number one, this is what you are called to. You are called unto eternal life. This is why I covered those two parables. This is talking about coming into the kingdom of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Fight the good fight of the faith. Lay hold of the eternal life to which you were summoned or called and for which you confess the good confession of faith before many witnesses. This is how people are called unto eternal life. You have to confess Jesus publicly before many witnesses. There has to be a point in time in your life where you actually accepted and confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the step into your calling. Then 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Anyone who confesses, acknowledges, and owns that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides, lives, and makes his home in him, and he abides, lives, and makes his home in God. This is a powerful scripture. When you confess Jesus as the Son of God, God comes in you and you come into God. You come into unity with God. When I add 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says, God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise, and he can be depended on. By him you were called into companionship and participation with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So first and foremost, you are called 
into a relationship with the living God, which is only possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who opened the way for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell on the inside of us. The third person of the divine Godhead, the fullness of God coming to live on the inside of us. So you are called into relationship with God. You are called into his presence. Literally, you step into him and he comes into you. And literally everything in your life is affected by how strong your relationship is with the Lord. You are called into communion with him. You are called into fellowship with him. You are called to spend time with him, not just in the church, but privately. You cannot have a relationship to God with God through somebody else, through your pastor, always relying on your pastors and your leaders. You have to be with God. You have to spend time with him. And specifically, you have to spend time in his word. Because without knowing his word, you cannot even discern if what you are hearing on the inside of you is God or not. His word is his voice. And it's crucial to know and recognize the voice of God if you ever want to find out what the call of God is on your life. His word is the foundation for everything. And his word is the light that you need when you want to see where you are going. You cannot know where you're going when there's no light. You cannot just make steps into the darkness. And there's a, a really important and big difference here between walking in faith and walking in darkness. It is not the same. Walking by faith means you know where you're heading, but you don't know all the details and you have to trust the Lord. But walking in darkness means you don't even know where you're going. You don't know what God is calling you to do and you have no foundation to stand on. So that brings me to the second thing. So the first is you are called into relationship with the Lord, which means you enter into eternal life. You are called unto salvation. Salvation means you are reconciled to God. You are called into a relationship with him. So number two, you're called into the light. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchase, special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are called out of darkness into the light. His word is the light. It says that his word is a lamp unto our feet. His word is our guideline. He shines through his word, revelation into our lives by which we live. So you cannot just know the word or believe the word. You actually have to do the word for it to even be a light in your life. Because so many people believe what the Bible says but they don't believe that they can actually be the one doing it. Let's just throw out one example. One scripture says, believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So now people believe that, Christians believe that, they go to church and they, they hear it and they see, yes, God does heal people, I do believe that. 
But are you doing it? Are you actually using your hands and lay them on the sick and they recover? And that is where the light comes in. That has to become a reality in your life. You cannot just believe it. You actually have to step into the reality of that word in your own life. Because God is not a respecter of persons. So if you're not knowing what you're called to do right now, that means you still don't know where you are going. No one knows their entire future because we are called to live by faith. That means we don't know everything. We don't know the beginning from the end. Only God knows that. We will not know the details and that is why we have to trust the Lord. Walking by faith does not mean walking in darkness. It means that you're walking with your eyes set on Jesus. You see him, you focus on him, you, you, <laughs> you spend time with him, you let him touch you and reveal things to you. Well, maybe at the same time you don't know exactly like what you will be doing next year or in five years which does not mean that you don't make any plans. Living by faith does not mean that you don't make plans. But that is another topic for another time. So we're talking about finding the call. What is God calling me to do? For that, you need the light of the word of God. Without light, you cannot see your calling. And in the light, you will see first and foremost who he is, and who you are called to be. I can spend hours just talking about how important it is to know who you are in Christ and that no one can mess with who you are in Christ. Before you know what you are called to do, you have to have a revelation of who you are called to be. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. You are a brand new person. When God calls you out of darkness into the light, you are brand new. Everything that happened before is not important because you're completely a, a new, a recreated being. That is what it means. Not on the outside, but your spirit man is recreated, brand new, born again. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6, it says, And because you really are his sons, God has sent the Holy Spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, when God is calling you out of darkness into the light, into his kingdom, into himself, into fellowship with him, he is calling you into sonship. You are a son or a daughter of the Lord God Almighty. This is something that you need to really grab a hold of. You are a child of God. You have rights. You have privileges. You have an inheritance. There are so many things that are given to you, which is, again, that's another topic for another time. But your identity is that you are a child of God. And when you begin to know your identity, then you begin to realize that you have a high calling on your life 
and you have the power to fulfill it. This is what you were born to do. Knowing who you are is crucial to knowing what you are born to do. The call of God, answering the call of God is really starting to do what you are born to do. And I'm going to share about this in another podcast because uh, this is going to be another part on the call of God. How do you even know that you are in the middle of the call of God on your life? That's going to be another part here. But let me continue here. What you are called into, which is sonship, that is being part of the family of God. You are royalty. God is a holy God. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and you are called to be part of this royal family. Romans chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says, Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You are called to be a saint. And this is where people have a problem because they think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not holy. I'm not a saint. You are line up your thinking and your speaking to the word of God. It, uh, you know, people always look down on these things and they say, oh, you think you're so holy or you think you're a saint, you know, trying to justify their own sinful life by putting down people that are actually wanting to live holy, you know, that is mockery to the word of God. We are called to be saints. We are called to be holy. We were, as a matter of fact, made holy. The moment you receive the Holy Spirit of God, you are made holy because he cannot have fellowship with what is not holy. The Bible says that what fellowship has darkness with the light? God shines the light on us and we become the light and we become pure and holy. And you have to agree with the word of God on that. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that you were made perfect. Your heart was made perfect before the Lord. So you can even come before the Lord. You were made perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, people make mistakes. That doesn't mean, oh, I'm perfect. I cannot do anything wrong. No, there are so many things the Bible says that you can do wrong that you should not be doing wrong. But you can have and you must have a perfect heart before God. He says, be ye perfect as he is perfect. And so obviously we will spend our whole life doing everything that we can do to be pleasing to the Lord and being molded and shaped into the image of Jesus Christ unto his perfection. But as of right now, we have a perfect heart. That means when you make a mistake, you repent and you ask the Lord to forgive you and you do not lose your perfection in Christ Jesus by making mistakes. Now, we don't do mistakes on purpose and we don't frustrate the grace of God, which is another message for another time. But we are called to be saints. You are called to be holy so that you can fulfill the purpose that God has for you. I'm going to read one more here. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 31. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What then shall we say against those things? If God be for us, who can be against us? We are called to a purpose. And the number one purpose, and this really wraps up your calling. This is the known will of God. This is what you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are called to. That is to be conformed to the image of his son. You are called to become like Jesus more and more every single day of your life. There are things that Jesus did that all believers are meant to do, including you. There's not things we pick and choose about Jesus that we say, oh, you know, that's not my personality. No, Jesus is the ultimate, the goal of every believer. Our main focus is Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Your calling is enwrapped in Jesus Christ, in him. And so you have to understand the known will of God is to do what Jesus Christ was doing. He gave us an example that every believer has to follow. It does not matter if you're in the ministry or called to the ministry or called to business or called to education, athletics, whatever it is. We are all, as believers, called to become like Jesus. And I'm going to cover this in the next part to the detail as much as possible because Christ literally came down on the earth to show us what it means to live for God. What does a Christian life look like? And this is not just the life of somebody who's been called in the full-time ministry. This is the life of everyone who is called to be a child of God, just like Jesus is the son of God. We are called to be a children adopted by the Lord and Jesus our brother is our example and when you focus on the Lord Jesus and you look at his life there is no way you will not find out what God has specifically called you to do because Jesus was a carpenter for 30 years obviously not from his birth but until he was 30 he was a carpenter and after that he went into the full-time ministry. And so obviously, we're not all called to be carpenters and then step into the ministry for three years. So what exactly does it mean to do the works of Christ? And what does it look like to be a Christian? And what is the time and how to step into that call and how to set yourself up for success? All of these things I'm going to cover in the following parts on the call of God. Thank you for tuning in. Do not miss out on the following parts. It's, I don't even know. This could be a 10-part series. We will see. But God bless you. And I hope this is an encouragement to you. And uh, I'll see you. Well, actually, I won't see you and I won't hear you. But you will hear me, hopefully, in the next part. God bless. And I love you all. Bye.